Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to the Ask Science podcast. I'm your guest host, Henry G., This is episode four of my short series adapted from my new book, A Very Short History of Life on Earth. Are you listening to this podcast while standing up or walking around? Have you ever wondered why it is that humans stand on two legs when so few other mammals do? Standing and walking is, for us, so easy, so natural, that we take it for granted. Many animals can stand upright for a short time and even walk, but it takes effort and they soon slump back to all fours, a typical mammalian state. Hominins, species in the human family, are different. Walking upright is their default. Locomotion on all fours, using hands and feet to walk, is in contrast unnatural and difficult. The adoption of bipedality by a lineage of apes living in Africa seven million years ago was one of the more remarkable, unlikely and puzzling events in the entire history of life. It required a complete re-engineering of the entire body from head to toe. When the backbone evolved half a billion years ago, it was a structure held horizontally, in tension. In hominins, it moved through 90 degrees to be held vertically, in compression. No more radical alteration in the engineering requirements of the backbone has happened since it first evolved, and it can only be regarded as maladaptive. Witness that back problems constitute one of the most costly and frequent causes of illness in humans today. Matters were worse for pregnant females, which had to adjust to an increasingly unstable and ever-changing load, a circumstance that has left its imprint on human evolution. And no wonder, given that for most of human history, adult females on whom the continuation of the species depends, spent much of their lives either pregnant or nursing. If that weren't enough, a hominin has to move by lifting one foot from the ground, shifting the centre of mass sharply, and then correct this before it falls over, and it has to do this with each step it takes. This requires a quite remarkable degree of control, in which the brain, nerves and muscles work flawlessly together to such an extent that we aren't aware of it. The gains achieved by bipedality were eventually enormous. But the wonder is 
how it got started at all. It is testament to the unlikelihood of bipedality as a proposition that hominins are among the very few mammals that go on two legs as a normal part of life, a rarity piqued by the helplessness of any human suddenly deprived of the use of one of its hind limbs. Once hominins started on the little frequented path that led towards bipedality, natural selection ensured that they had to become very good at it very quickly. The question remains, why? The easy answer is that bipedality is just one of many peculiar modes of locomotion that apes have tried over millions of years, including swinging using elongated arms as in gibbons, clambering using all four limbs as hands as orangs do, and the unique quadrupedal knuckle-walking of chimps and gorillas. But why hominins tried bipedal walking rather than any other mode of getting from one place to another remains an open question. Certainly, life in open country does not require it. Many large monkeys, such as macaques and baboons, live in open country and remain with all four feet firmly planted on the hard, dry ground. Suggestions that bipedality free the hands to, say, make tools or hold infants don't wash either, given that many animals manage both, without the thoroughgoing change to bipedality in which hominins are invested. As far as the earliest hominins are concerned, the most that can be said is that they might have been somewhat pre-adapted to it by virtue of a kind of upright climbing and clambering mode of movement they had begun to adopt in trees, after which walking on the ground would not have been such a great change. To them, walking may have been like clambering around in branches, but without the branches. The habit of bipedality was cemented in Homo erectus, which appeared around 2.5 million years ago. It was the first hominin with a truly human body shape, adapted for long-distance pursuit of game in the heat of the open savannah. This required hunters to work cooperatively in groups. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
bipedality and cooperation, reinforced one another by that most potent force in evolution, sex. By then, hominins had become relatively hairless. Hairlessness allows for much more than the shedding of heat. Along with a bipedal stance, it also exposes a human being's more tender parts to general view. Public sexual display may account for the otherwise puzzling fact that human males have much larger penises in relation to body mass than other apes. Sexual display and the need for group cohesion may also explain why the breasts of human females are prominent at all times, not just during nursing. In other mammals, the teats wither away to virtually nothing when a female is not lactating. By the same token, the genitalia of human females look the same, no matter whether females are ovulating or not. In other primates, a female's external genitalia are often grossly swollen during estrus, making her reproductive status absolutely clear to any member of the group. In humans, the reproductive status of a female is hidden to such an extent that it is often a secret to the female herself. In humans, there is no such thing as a mating season, during which time, in other mammals, Males and females have sex in full public view. This is, in part, a way to demonstrate and enforce social standing. Humans, in contrast, may be fertile, or not, at any time of year, and prefer to have sex when other members of the group are not watching. Although humans are highly social and sociable, they tend to form stable pair bonds for the rearing of offspring. Although mating systems vary hugely among humans, the general rule is that one male and one female form a bond that lasts for the many years it takes to raise children. This is reflected in the relatively limited degree of physical difference between males and females, what is known as sexual dimorphism. In animal species where males tend to monopolise a large group of females, males are much more massive than females. This is true today in the gorilla, an ape that lives in small groups in which a harem of small females is dominated by a single large male. Human males tend on average to be larger than human females, but this difference is relatively small. In humans, sexual dimorphism is much less about mass than the distribution of body hair and subcutaneous fat. If humans form stable pair bonds, then why do human males have such large penises, and why are the breasts of females always prominent, as if individuals of both sexes are always advertising their availability? Conversely, why are female genitalia always modest, irrespective of reproductive status? Why is oestrus always hidden, while sex goes on in private? If pair bonds were fully stable, none of this ought to matter.
The answer is that although couples are best for the immediate raising of offspring, humans indulge in adultery much more than is generally appreciated. It is said that it takes a village to raise a child, and this is especially true of hominin children, which are born in a relatively helpless, underdeveloped state. Cooperation between families will be favoured if nobody can be entirely sure of the paternity of any particular child. This cooperation will carry over to the camaraderie of the males in any hunting party. Unsure of which child belongs to which father, males hunt not just for their immediate family unit, but the entire group. In many respects, the social and sexual mores of humans have more in common with those of birds than of other primates. Many birds are social, territorial, indulge in sexual display, and live in family groups in which older offspring assist the parents in the raising of younger siblings before leaving home and seeking territories for themselves. Many bird species form pair bonds that are stable in public, but individuals are not above mating in secret with others when the nominal partner is away hunting. This means that a male can never be sure which of the offspring he is helping to raise are his own, and which have been fathered by another. Faced with such a situation, males tend to hedge their bets. In human societies, the best strategy is to cooperate with other males. Adultery, in the end, contributes to male bonding and keeps societies bound together, despite the appearance of pair bonding. That's all for this episode of Ask Science. Be sure to follow this podcast so that you catch next week's episode, which is my final appearance as guest host. And if you're enjoying this series, consider pre-ordering my new book, A Very Short History of Life on Earth. You can click the link in the episode description or find the book wherever books or audiobooks are sold. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.